Off the Cuff Franchising, Episode 15. Let's do this. Welcome everyone. This is David Tamale Sali with another episode of the Off the Cuff Franchising Podcast. Today's guest is Igor Pavlin, who's the Secretary General at the Slovenian Franchise Association. So we're really honored to have him as our guest today and so we're going to have a conversation. Igor, thank, welcome to the podcast. Yes. So, so Igor, you're, please could you tell our audience what, you, what your role is at the... What does the Secretary General do? At... Oh, uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this is a bit of a joke, but uh, I am sure that uh, if, I, if I leave this now, yeah. Uh, this position, uh, the the whole association will be in a big uh, problem. Oh wow! Uh, what what I'm doing now is basically um, I try to um, import, I would say, import franchising rules yeah. because uh, from from the rest uh, of the uh, European developed, mainly uh, developed European countries. Yeah. Um, the, uh, who are members of uh, uh, franchisors and their members uh, in the European Franchise Federation. Yeah. I'm convinced that without uh, this type of standards, mm. uh, uh, we would lag behind uh, substantially. Yeah, because has franchising been around in Slovenia for a long time? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first franchise in this country was there. Uh, this were rent-a-car and hotel franchises mm. uh, already in the late 80s. Yeah. Cause this is, uh, I would say, 20 years later than in Western Europe. Yeah. So does there seem to be a bit of a, a lag, a, a gap that you're trying to bridge? Yes, yes. Uh, although we, are, uh, we were a bit, uh, I would say, advanced in comparison to uh, other, um, at that time, Yugoslav yeah. uh, republics. Uh, and uh, still now, I think we are. Yeah. Although uh, international franchisors, they can build their own empires uh, from nothing. Also uh, in, in countries uh, that are less developed than we are. Uh -huh. So do you have many Slovenian franchises that have grown locally? I would say one-to-one, 50-50. That's uh, in total of uh, franchise companies, there will be one half or a bit more, maybe now already international franchise systems. Because yeah. after we have become members, uh, uh, I'm talking about Slovenia. Yeah. After we have become uh, members of the European Union, yeah. and once we have introduced uh, Euro. Yeah. Uh, this was a clear sign for um, those countries where franchisors uh, uh, are, especially, I will name them uh, Germany, uh, Austria, uh, Italy, uh, France, uh, um, also United States. Yeah. Uh, maybe I forgot some. 
of them. I yeah. mean, one or two countries, but yeah. uh, mainly these countries. These uh, these were countries where foreign franchise franchises came from. Aha! Uh -huh. So when you had the euro in Slovenia, then that was a big yeah. signal. Uh, international ones are from these countries. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what's it like? What's the environment in Slovenia when it comes to starting a business? Is it very entrepreneurial? Um, I would say that, um, you know, I will start with a quotation, a bit of quotation okay. of a um, Dutch uh, director of the franchise, of Dutch uh, Franchise Association long time ago, because we, yeah. uh, I organized um, a conference on small business development yeah. in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. And um, at that time, the topic, uh, uh, one of the topics was franchising as a source of SMEs. Yeah. And uh, I immediately, when I came home, I said, why wouldn't I uh, go uh, uh, and try to um, associate or uh, collect um, those uh, companies that already uh, have franchising and those who are interested uh, to uh, have them. Oh, and yeah. we started that way. And, um, but then something happened in, um, with the arrival of McDonald's. Ah. Uh, I, I had good luck to, be, uh, to, to uh, acquaint myself with the uh, leader of the Central European uh, McDonald's, yeah. um, Jim Cernet. Yeah. And uh, Jim Cernet um, helped us to uh, start the franchise association, uh -huh. and this was uh, this was really uh, we learned about the the business itself, uh, the definition of franchising, the code of ethics, yeah. um, which was uh, at that time not American. Uh, we were very careful; it was European. Yeah, uh, the one from the European Franchise uh, Federation. Yeah, and uh, still now. Uh, we try to uh, uh, sort of cherish this uh, code of ethics as a sort of Bible of franchising, although it yeah. it has only four pages yeah. or four, yeah, four pages. Wow! So you are right at the fr the front line of franchising there in in Slovenia. Um, yeah, this is a normal national association of franchising. Yeah. Uh, according to uh, European Franchise Federation rules, yeah. there can be only one association yeah. uh, that is uh, of national character, and we are the one. And on the other side, we are supported by the uh, Chamber of Trade of Slovenia. Yeah. Um, we yeah. are their members, and they, because we are relatively small, we cannot be... Uh, completely, uh, I would say, stuffed yeah. uh, by ourselves. So they help us with with legal advice, with with um, administrative support, and all that. And uh, um, we are we find our place also in their house. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And, so, what do you do as a franchise association? What's the role of the franchise association? Um, <clears throat> The first role of Franchise Association uh, so far has been acquainting uh, franchisors uh, that operate in our region yeah. um, about basic 
um, topics related to franchising. Yeah. And for this uh, purpose, we we didn't, uh, I would say, save uh, resources too, but uh, mm. quite some of them came with those who were willing to come. Yeah. And we have had in the last 20 years uh, many uh, representatives, including franchisors, yeah. uh, large ones and small ones that don't operate here, yeah. but are uh, a sort of either national president of association or national um, chief executive officer. Yeah. Um, practically from all uh, developed European countries uh-huh. with their topics. We requested them. For instance, one topic uh, we found uh, interesting experience in Sweden, and we asked them, uh, please uh, educate us. How do you cope with the relatively small market? Yeah. Uh, because franchising is a business of... Uh, large economies of scale. Yeah? So yeah. tell us, how do you cope with that? How can question. you go into small places? Yeah. Uh, because we have the same thing. Uh, and also countries in our vicinity, they will have practically the same problem. Yeah, what did they, if you don't mind me asking, what did they say? How do they cope with it? Um, I think they um, sort of... Um, parallel the um, size uh, of um, the size of the business mm. on one side and the depth of the um, how do you call this um, assortment okay uh, um, you cannot yeah you, know, you cannot have let's say uh, McDonald's with um, I don't know uh, 40 50 uh, uh, items on the menu but mm. you have less than that and you try to create economies uh, with that uh, less um, size of yeah. of this supply. Aha, uh-huh. so each franchise has to have a certain amount of depth that they offer, as well as yes, being... Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, all right. So how did, how did you get involved in franchising? Because I noticed from your your biography... Oh. <laughs> you have That's an interesting... a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, first, uh, I uh, worked um, for an international organization, yeah. um, and uh, at that time, uh, I was, um, in those years, in uh, late 80s, I was uh, part of uh, my time in Slovenia, yeah. and part of my time in Washington, D.C., uh-huh. working for the World Bank, yeah. and one of tools for privatization uh, listed by them was franchising. Oh. Not very, uh, not very prominent, but it was there. Yeah. Then my boss uh, came from India yeah. at that time, and India at that time became uh, aware of the um, power of franchising. Yeah. There was no, uh, there was franchising. Let's say uh, bakeries. Um, uh, computers and uh, but not it was not a very famous type of business because yeah. what Indians were saying was um, that profits go uh, to foreign countries uh-huh. with franchising. So uh, what we did was 
I organized uh, with the Ministry of Plan in India yeah. uh, a, a workshop or rather a conference, and we had uh, uh, many Asian countries there, especially yeah. Southeast Asia. Yeah. Uh, Indians, of course, who are already there, and some Europeans, yeah. including Austria, Hungary, Czech Republic, uh, and uh, ourselves, of yeah. course. Uh, yeah. That uh, and uh, this was uh, the topic where I would say we lost our innocence, mm. uh, and we became uh, part and parcel of the international uh, circus of franchising. Aha. Uh -huh. So I'm guessing there was a good reception to that that discussion at the conference from the people involved. Yes, it was it, it was the the whole conference was devoted to franchising, the the one in New Delhi. Yeah. But um, this also started at at the International Labour Conference uh, where uh, the Department for uh, Entrepreneurship or Small Business in in Geneva yeah. Uh, got involved in small business development through franchising. Yeah. So. Uh, and I learned from them. Actually, I didn't know much. Yeah. I still don't know much. <laughs> I, <laughs> I learned all the all this time. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging because I think they say that the more you the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yes, that's correct. Very correct. Yeah. So, and just on that point about the conference where you said that the concern was that the profits would be taken overseas to foreign countries. How was that addressed in that conference? Uh, yeah, this was the official attitude. Um, not at that time anymore. Yeah. But it was one of the first steps where India started to realize they didn't need to have only foreign franchise systems. Uh -huh. They were able to organize. India is a huge market. Yeah. And it's a market like, uh, I would say, you can compare it uh, with the market of the United States or China. Yeah. And uh, all these countries, I mean, these new countries, now, just take China and India. Yeah. I think franchising is booming there. Yeah. And... Uh, um, I don't know whether they have um, gathered information on what's actually happening, mm. but uh, they have uh, franchising everywhere. Right now, I think they are finishing with the uh, with the World Franchise Council conference yeah. in Taipei, in in Taiwan. Yeah, and uh, I didn't go there, although they promised to cover a very substantial part of my course because yeah. um, I had uh, some other business to do yeah. but um, girls from or I were girls I call them girls because I'm not that young anymore yeah uh, but they are <laughs> very senior women um, who are uh, presidents of the national associations in Hungary and in uh, Croatia they are there now and discussing uh, looking into franchising from the global perspective, which is the only correct way to see it. Yeah. And that's a good point. Oh, you that, Sorry, go on. That's, that, that's really a sort of uh, motivating um, perspective. Yeah. Um, so in, let's say, about a few years back, um, 
I was in uh, Seoul in South Korea. Yeah. And then I realized that many stereotypes uh, that I used to perceive Asia were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> For instance, uh, the Chinese lady, the lady from uh, Hong Kong, and the lady, I don't know why only ladies were there, but they are leading the associations uh -huh. from Taiwan. Uh, they came hand in hand and had a common Chinese presentation. For yeah. me, I said, this is impossible. Isn't this a sort of clash between Taiwan and China? Yeah. And isn't there, uh, you know, all these problems for me uh, evaporated. Uh, they disappeared at, in the moment. Wow, so it's cooperation in the context of franchising that you didn't expect. Yes, it's a business cooperation, which I think it's not a political issue at all. Mm. Oh. So, yeah, I'm trying to think where to go with this, because there's a lot a lot there. The, the fact that countries can realize that they can organize their own local businesses in line with the franchising model. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not not only, uh, uh, I would say, yes, local businesses, but they, um, there are no, uh, no objection in those countries to admit foreign uh, franchise systems to enter. Uh -huh. Because this is at the same time also uh, uh, a way of importing uh, technology yeah. and modern know-how, yeah. uh, specific modern know-how. Um, if if uh, a franchise system uh, survives, uh, uh, let's say, a couple of years, yeah. it most probably grow. And mm. uh, those who uh, who would object to sort of cultural specificity of uh, franchising, yeah. um, they they will they have to give up yeah. because many many uh, real estate. Uh, many, uh, let's say, care for elderly, um, medical, sports, children, franchise uh, uh, businesses. They cross all these borders and yeah. they are there. And uh, this is one of, uh, I would say, very elegant uh, way of international business cooperation. Yeah, that's interesting. And so from your perspective, do you... what? What the the one the businesses that the franchises that succeed in Slovenia, what do they all do that makes them succeed? Uh, we have we have practically uh, the entire spectrum of, if we say sectors, yeah. um, in franchising. Uh, we have I I would say uh, there were two main waves of franchising. The the early one was basically. Uh, which I already mentioned, uh, rent-a-car and um, credit cards yeah. and hotels. Uh, and they were not perceived as something specific uh, related to franchising. Yeah. But when uh, companies, especially wholesalers, yeah. uh, were trying to, to develop uh, their retail uh, units, they already knew uh, about franchising. Yeah. So uh, the first wave was domestic. Yeah. Franchising, especially between um, wholesaler and retailer. Yeah. Now today, 
the situation uh, is very, I would say, modern. Mm. Uh, you will have, for instance, uh, franchises in the area of um, um, motivating and, uh, uh, um, I would say, um, teaching people to manage uh, um, uh, and motivate yeah. um, franchises like uh, Mars Venus um, and uh, some others, Adler, for instance, the Austrian one, yeah. uh, which which is not clear cut. There is no clear cut between uh, franchising and licensing in there. But what we also have. Uh, quite a few um, children-related franchises. Uh-huh. Uh, language language uh, uh, learning, English, German. Um, some some of them they've started to um, I would say um, to work against the prejudices that small kids cannot learn or shouldn't learn foreign languages. So you have mm. some of them few months old. Yeah. Uh, who learn languages uh, like uh, children do with their mother milk. Yeah. And yeah. so that's that's what what we have. Then uh, of course um, there are, um, for instance, um, body related, like um, um, especially for ladies, um, which is uh, sort of slimming. Uh, then we have um, um, something like chocolate producers yeah. and chocolate retailers, and uh, I, I I think there is practically no real uh, end to this story. Yeah. Uh, now uh, many German bakeries coming here. Yeah. Very funny because we have quite uh, quite good local bread. Yeah. But. Uh, this uh, these people have realized um, that this doesn't mean an um, obstacle, but yeah. this is an advantage yeah. if you have a competition in some cases. Yeah, because uh, it gives them something to uh, dis- differentiate between. Exactly. And then um, uh, once we already had, let's say, 15 years back, a subway came. Yeah. But um, then it collapsed. Yeah. But now it re-entered, and yeah. uh, it seems it will uh, win now. It will because people also changed their view towards food. Yeah. yeah because you know, Subway propagates fresh, uh, fresh food, and um, um, from the source of, uh, I would say, very healthy yeah. uh, vegetable producers, and so on and so on. Yeah. So. This is reappearing. Uh-huh. Uh, real estate, of course, we have remarks here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now I'm surprised that we don't have many British. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, uh, we, we used to have, let's, we have mother care, I think. Yeah. Maybe we have some uh, um, cosmetic uh or yeah, cosmetic shops, uh, but um, I'm wondering why uh, there are not many more. Because uh, I know a bit about British franchising. Because yeah. let's say about 20 years, not yet 18 years back, yeah, got a European Union fellowship uh, to study franchising 
in UK yeah. with the objective to a sort of um, transfer the uh, knowledge yeah. that, uh, into this country. Yeah. But, uh, what I learned, uh, where I really learned about franchising uh, was UK. Uh-huh. And still now, I will say, British Franchise Association is uh, the one where I will never end uh, getting new and new uh, horizons. Yeah. Brian Smart, he is almost, uh, I would say, the uh, father of franchising today in in uh, in Britain from the perspective. No, he's not a consultant. He is uh, chief executive officer of the British Franchise Association. Yeah. And uh, they have things very uh, orderly organized. Uh, they are very careful about the ethics in franchise business. Yeah. Um, I would say I uh, I really enjoy reading their web uh, page and... Uh, uh, last year he came here and had his own presentation. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's good. So are there any uh, dangers or things people need to watch out for if they're thinking about franchising in Slovenia? Because you mentioned Subway came the first time about 15 years ago and didn't succeed. And now yeah. they are. Are there any things people need to... What do people need to be aware of when they come? they want to come to Slovenia? Uh, you are talking about uh, foreign franchise systems, or um, oh yeah, let's cover both. So foreign ones and also local ones. What what are the things yeah. people need to be aware of? Um, so um, I will I will say at the beginning that we had about average um, already uh, crashes of franchise systems. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned uh, Subway, but it was not the only one. Mm. Uh, there were quite a few others, yeah. uh, like uh, uh, French, uh, Quick, then... Um, I, I, I don't think I should uh, um, list uh, many of them, yeah. because they were, let's say, about 10, 15 international, yeah. and uh, about the same size, same uh, uh, amount of uh, domestic franchises, but the reasons for foreign ones were different, not the same uh, okay. as for domestic ones. Domestic, they, they are a sort of result of uh, uh, restructuring hmm. of, uh, um, I would say, industry and trade, okay. uh, while international ones... Uh, they were not well conceived at the very beginning. Okay. So by that, what do you mean by that? Um, you know, we are very specific in this sense. We are a small market. Yeah. Slovenia is a small market. In, and if somebody comes to serve only this market, mm. uh, he may not achieve uh, the objective of uh, economies postulated by economies of state uh, of size yeah and uh, that's one the second is that uh, business culture mm. especially managing private uh, companies yeah uh, was forgotten uh, 
for I would say the period uh, after the Second World War because we uh -huh. had the socialist period. Although at the end, in the 80s, we already had uh, the beginning of transformation yeah. into uh, free market. But um, in the meantime, if you cut something the way it is, as it was, yeah. uh, it it really requires uh, more time to uh, adjust to, uh, I would say, normal um, international uh, standards, yeah. uh, business standards. So there's a need to be aware of the environment. Um, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, and for instance, Dairy Queen. Now, for instance, I mean, this is a case. Uh, they had a master franchise, I think. Yeah. Uh, in in uh, somewhere uh, in uh, Monte Carlo, I think the master franchisor was. Yeah. Never came here. Yeah. And he was in Slovenia, in Hungary, in Austria. And then the Hungarian guy, the one, the director of the Hungarian Franchise Association, yeah. uh, when he saw the way how they supported their franchisees, yeah. um, they already knew about uh, uh, requirements of the Code of Ethics. Yeah. They required to uh, them to leave. And I think this was one of the cases where I think the Hungarian Franchise Association helped also to um, to get rid of uh, Dairy Queen in Slovenia. Yeah. For instance, McDonald's, what they do is they begin with um, um, developing suppliers, yeah. developing, um, I would say, in a broader sense, yeah. uh, the market itself, they come with their own units. Yeah. Or, uh, they train people, and then um, when the suppliers are up to their standards, yeah, they start operating their own units. Uh huh. Which is which is different. Uh, which was different with Dairy Queen. Yeah. Dairy Queen was launched to uh, swim in one unit. In Slovenia, actually, there were two. Yeah. Uh, but the one was a joint a joint venture. Yeah. And they really tried whatever they did. They had excellent location. Yeah. McDonald's uh, was very annoyed with the fact that they had the prime. Yeah. They got the one one uh, prime location. Yeah. But they were not successful. They didn't develop suppliers. They were dependent on on local uh, trivial. Um, let's say um, what we had was um, um, problem with. Uh, um, ownership, yeah. ownership of real estate, yeah. and they had problem. They had problem with their location, their locality. Yeah. They had many other problems, which I don't know because there is one thing. Yeah. Uh, you can you can easily get a success story written, yeah. but you cannot get a really, <laughs> I would say, uh, a collapse. <laughs> yeah. A case of a collapsing. Uh, um, enterprise. Yeah. That's um, for me. It is a big problem because I teach franchising at the local college yeah. uh, of entrepreneurship, yeah. and um, I know that we can learn better from mistakes of others than from their successes. Yeah. Because success is not measured everywhere, and uh, I mean, 
it is not uh, reasons are not uh, uh, very often completely uh, systematized and it is normally shown as a as a triumph of uh, of a company yeah uh, when a company collapses um, this would be uh, uh, in the in the opposite direction yeah. you have to have a very specific type of gift to uh, pinpoint uh, the reasons and yeah. Uh, proper people, people that try to uh, uh, not to give information on why yeah. they collapsed, and all oh, this is a big thing. Yeah, well, that's fascinating because you can look because when somebody has a franchise system, they've tested it in different environments. So when exactly. it breaks down, that's a very useful thing to study. Yes, 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 but unfortunately, uh, you, we don't have uh, failure uh, yeah. case studies. Um, maybe there there are just uh, there's just a little sample of those, but I, I I I'm not sure I'm not I haven't been able to collect one. Yeah. The real failure. Yeah. And out of those that collapsed here. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I sent my students, and I say, if you uh, sort of write a very good case on such and such company yeah. why all this happened um, that's uh, that's your final mark yeah. uh, very high <laughs> <laughs> and, but they they cannot collect that yeah. I mean and even if I know there was one of my students who was manager of one of those and she wouldn't tell me uh -huh. And she became manager of of a franchise of yeah. a foreign franchise, and she would never tell me why why uh, she actually drowned there. Uh, so I was trying to get uh, this information from her, and it didn't work. Yeah, well, it's fascinating because that to me is showing maybe there's room as franchising and continues to evolve. To st to get case studies for the successes, but as well as the failures, so that everyone can learn. Yes, yes, and you know the, there is a clear cut between, I would say, um, sort of telling tail, uh, uh, um, telling uh, various stories and glamorous types of uh, stories on franchise successes. Yeah. And, uh, the IFA, Ritzimo, for instance, the International Franchise Association, which is American association, yeah. they tried to um, sort of create an impression that franchising is um, sort of um, um, survivable in all conditions. Uh -huh. uh, uh, the worst is the crisis, uh, more will uh, uh, franchise. Uh, sort of prosper, yeah. but um, when I was in this, um, I spent about few months, a uh, few months in London in uh, at Westminster Business School. Yeah. There is only, uh, I would say, uh, for, to my knowledge, the only uh, franchise research center. Yeah, um, I realized that uh, there are different uh, sort of um, characteristics of franchise 
uh, evolution. Not not only it's not only success; it's also uh, it can be very problematic. Yeah. If if a wrong franchise entrepreneur starts to develop uh, a system, yeah. and especially if he collects too much uh, initial fees yeah. from uh, franchisees and makes his living yeah. on account, um, then this uh, in uh, uh, in a medium term at least uh, leads to a failure. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that John Stanward, he is one of those who wrote a lot about franchising and also won several awards. Even uh, IFA itself would give him an award. Yeah. Uh, he he established, uh, and not only him, with American researchers, yeah. um, that if a company survives first five years, but it has to grow permanently. Yeah. Uh, it it cannot um, sort of have uh, uh, pushes uh, forward and back. Uh, yeah. Then it will uh, remain. And now, normally this type of franchise will not be very expensive. Yeah, like how much? And those who associate with it, yeah. uh, they are in a much more uh, risky situation uh, than the ones uh, that join uh, sort of uh, evergreens or eternal uh, uh, brands uh, uh, in hotel business, in restaurants, in yeah. whatever, name it. Yeah. Um, those are practically uh, um, proof yeah. um, um, they will succeed. Uh, but um, people don't know uh, if they hear only uh, that the franchising is uh, a sort of uh, uh, model for success. So, just on the, on the other side, they will join it without uh, testing uh, survivability of that system and yeah, uh, well, to conduct and everything. That's really important. Just that last point you made. Were you saying that franchises? You said something about the franchises that don't cost a lot. To get involved yeah. might be riskier than the more expensive ones. Um, this uh, I cannot say on the basis of uh, uh, substantial uh, information. Yeah. But my impression is that uh, cheap franchises yeah. who don't have um, uh, a substantial amount of know-how yeah. as a content, um, they. They may prove, they may sort of uh, even survive five, ten years, but um, they are all the time a sort of uh, fighting for survival. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when you come to a franchisor as a candidate for yeah. franchise, yeah. Um, you may ask him, what is the likelihood that I succeed? Mm. And the worst franchisor will say, it all depends on your... Uh, sort of effort and uh, uh, but on the other side <clears throat> it is not like that mm. uh, if a franchisee can get an objective information yeah. on uh, a sort of rate of uh, failures yeah. uh, within uh, a system then um, he will know much more objectively uh, what 
what is the likelihood of his success. That's an excellent point, Igor. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's what we are teaching uh, uh, candidate franchisees, uh, especially if they are sort of um, met by um, what, what we call cowboy franchisors. Yeah, you know, you know, in uh, in UK and I think also even even more maybe in the Netherlands. Yeah, the first franchisors. Um, were uh, um, mainly Americans, yeah. and they came uh, across the sea with uh, with an idea. They can uh, sort of uh, operate in a sort of cowboy way. Né? Yeah. They will extract money from franchises, and they will run away. Huh? Yeah. And if they get 20 times um, 50,000 yeah. uh, pounds, <laughs> that's something. Yeah. Um, uh, we had a company like that uh, in Slovenia. Yeah. Uh, in I think it was at the beginning of nineties. Yeah. Uh, it was a local company that imported about fifteen franchise systems from the states. Yeah. I went, you know, at that time I knew a bit about franchising already, yeah. and I tried to establish what kind of companies they were. Yeah. Uh, the majority was established exactly for uh, starting their first franchise they will ever have in this country. Yeah. And no one of them, even mailboxes, that is an established one, yeah. system that is known, yeah. um, um, they were closed down, all of them. And this guy uh, who thought Slovenia would be a franchise heaven, yeah. um, he... Um, uh, he was uh, prosecuted, and uh, because he didn't do only this type of, uh, uh, I would say, uh, uh, adventures. Uh, this was an adventure. Yeah. Uh, he he was trying, uh, uh, but this is this is not a, um, only American. Yeah. Uh, American dream. Also Germans. They were they had the idea very often. Yeah. Not not now anymore. Yeah. This is all finished. Yeah. They, people know, a general knowledge about franchising yeah. is uh, substantial, and they know that they cannot develop, let's say, uh, uh, 100 units in one year. Yeah. Well, or 50. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems knowledge is helping people be protected from cowboy franchisors. Yes, yes. Um, you know, uh, do you know Martin Mendelssohn? Um, um, please remind me. You see, uh, Martin Mendelssohn, uh, if you have another interview, yeah, uh, I will recommend him. Okay. Although he is uh, he he's a very senior person. I don't know whether he is still uh, operating in franchising. Yeah. He's a lawyer, yeah. uh, basically. But he wrote... Um, a handbook on franchising. Yeah. And I uh, met him when I had my uh, fellowship in in England. Yeah. Um, he invited me for a seminar. Yeah. And then when I came home, I, w I was looking at this fast-growing uh, franchise units in some companies. Then I called him. I said, is this normal? He said, you know, my dear friend, 
yeah. one at a time. <laughs> yeah. So how can you? Of course, McDonald's does more than one at a time. Yeah. But uh, they have the whole um, package, the know-how. Yeah. Uh, so many times tested, tested in Russia during the communist era, <laughs> and uh, they know how to go about it. But then all these small franchisors, uh, so called cowboys that we said before, yeah. uh, they, they, they would just like to rob money and run away. Yeah. That's fascinating. So there's, did you say his name is Martin Middleton? Martin Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn. Okay. I'll, I'll... Uh, he's a uh, he's professor also of franchising, uh, I think, uh, at one of the Adam Middlesex um, University or somewhere in the south uh, or central London. He was, when I visited him, yeah. uh, close to St. Paul's uh, Cathedral. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he was a consultant, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, very famous consultant. Yeah. Uh, I'll, so I'll... I think he's number one. Uh, um, and his book, uh, uh, handbook, or I think it is handbook on franchising, yeah. is used by many business schools uh, yeah. in Europe. Uh-huh. Not only in UK. Yeah. As, it's as, a textbook. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll reach out to him see if he, and see if we can get him on the show because it sounds fascinating. And just all this knowledge is helping people, uh, the listeners, make more informed decisions about whether franchising is for them and also which exactly. franchise is for them. For both sides, I would say. Uh, for franchisors and franchisees. Yeah. We, we, we talk about would-be franchisors and would-be franchisees. Yeah. Um, would-be franchisors often go into this business without serious homework. Yeah. Uh, before they learn uh, about intricacies of franchising itself, yeah. and especially in their sector, yeah. um, they just go and... Uh, and start developing it. Yeah. Uh, for me, one uh, a way of learning business is also franchising. Yeah. If you buy a franchise, now I'm talking about the second part yeah. of franchisee. Once franchisee has learned the craft or the business uh, of a specific sector franchising. Yeah. Uh, now, if he uh, if he if he flourishes of uh, initiative and creativity, he will definitely not stay in that franchise mm. uh, system. Yeah. Uh, he has some financial problems uh, once we decide to leave. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is not, uh, no, the contract uh, is signed for 10 years, if he, or I don't know how many. Uh, he, if he leaves before, uh, he has to meet those consequences. Yeah. But, uh, if he lives for the sake of creating his own business, yeah. he has um, very often better knowledge and skills to do something than people who uh, study business <laughs> because he had hands-on experience yeah. in the business, let's say three years, four years. Yeah. Now it depends how he can transfer that 
if he has um, a sort of um, this anti-monopoly clause, yeah. uh, which prevents him from uh, operating in the same business for some time. But I know that um, this gentleman, uh, Brian Smart, um, director of the British Franchise Association, uh, <clears throat> he is full of reservation against this type of preventing people, especially uh, of, of starting their own business if they uh, leave a franchise system because mm. if they don't know anything else, yeah. uh, if a business is a very narrow type of, I don't know, selling postcards or producing and selling postcards, uh, he will be doing this maybe. Yeah. Uh, he cannot just start. Uh, maybe he has some experience, uh, business experience in selling and a general experience, a business experience, but um, very often this is associated with that specific craft. Aha. Uh -huh. One final question. I just looked at the time. I, I lost oh, yes. track of time, <laughs> but I was really just enjoying <laughs> talking to you. Yeah. One question. As a professor teaching entrepreneurship and franchising, do you think there's space maybe in the future where people, instead of just paying to learn from a business school, that they'll maybe take a loan out and learn through running a franchise? Uh, that's what I am uh, convinced that it can work. Yeah. Uh, um, it depends now. You know, if we talk about a person who has a typical uh, mentality of mm. a franchisee, yeah. where everything is uh, worked out for him, yeah. he just... Uh, he is basically an employee yeah. uh, who is told to do everything yeah. by the franchisor. Yeah. Now, if you have, um, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have a franchisee, let's say of a system, uh, maybe it is not by by everybody considered uh, a sort of uh, uh, modern franchise like Remax. Yeah. Where in <clears throat> where they encourage franchisees uh, to think creatively, yeah. to help them, to work as a team of franchisees, yeah. and they are uh, rewarded for that yeah. rather than punished yeah. if they try to do something different. Um, then this uh, type of uh, <clears throat> system itself stimulates, and if the person uh, by himself is, I would also uh, describe this type of person as entrepreneurial uh, uh, mentality. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he may not be <clears throat> so keen to, uh, uh, to obey orders. Yeah. He would like to do something differently. Yeah. And so uh, I think that uh, this is very much a way to learn uh, uh, enterprise, uh, being enterprising and entrepreneurship yeah. and um, now so far I have out of my students I have about 10 yeah. who have gone into franchising oh, wow. because my subject on franchising is optional yeah. and those who, those who choose uh, some of them they are really inclined to start it either as franchisors yeah. or as franchisees yeah uh, but um, those who started as franchisees, 
uh, and if they had this school behind also, yeah. um, um, College of Entrepreneurship, yeah. uh, it's very likely they, they will uh, gradually go uh, by themselves. Yeah. Well, Today I spoke with someone yeah. who uh, bought um, an American franchise, transport franchise, yeah. um, and today he said to me, Ah, I will just leave these franchise systems because what we are doing, uh, it's called Go Opti. Go Opti uh, for them is um, transport. Yeah. Uh, let's say uh, in the areas where um, I would say you cannot collect easily, um, let's say 50, 100 people for a bus, yeah. but you can collect them in one direction and take them to the airport. Yeah. We have small airports around, yeah. like in Venice, in Trieste, in Graz, Austria, um, and Munich, yeah. and they collect those and they are all the time full, uh-huh. and they are very cheap. Yeah. So uh, he will just leave this original uh, um, franchise, transport franchise, which we American that he bought, yeah. and go on his own, and it is different. Yeah. I mean, it's not the same way as... But he learned. Yeah. First, he had three hours lecture at the Trieste University in Italy. Yeah. And then he had uh, uh, this franchise, and now he says, I feel secure. I know it. I I, I will go about it. I, I feel I should go on my own. So this was after he bought the franchise or before? Where he uh, had all the education? Uh, after he became disappointed uh, of being uh, subordinate to the franchise command. Yeah. Um, so he will just leave that franchise. Yeah. And he will go always exclusively um, by himself. Uh-huh. I mean, with, with, uh, with the company. He has his, his company, of course. Uh, and they are operating today in uh, in Slovenia, Austria, Italy, Croatia. Ah, so is he running the franchise, like he has a team running the franchise and he's doing a separate one as well, or he just stopped the franchise? Uh, he will stop, this is, uh, this is not part of the franchise. Franchise is uh, organizing uh, trips. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, this is another thing. Uh-huh. But this, um, this um, um, small uh, minibus, um, um, I would say transport. This he started, uh, uh, I think, by his by himself. Uh-huh. And um, this was growing, growing uh, because he felt that he can uh, collect uh, people from various parts, one direction. Yeah. He, uh, um, you know, uh, he will collect people from one direction and uh, eventually turn to the nearest airport but yeah. it is not only airport mm. it's also some other transports yeah well that's good so it's it's franchising can in one sense inspire entrepreneurship by giving training exactly. from experience as as you have answered i i can simply say yes yeah that's brilliant so thank you so much for talking to us today Igor. i really enjoyed it okay David. do you have any I, I... yes please go Sorry, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to contact you? Um, yeah, in a short time. I mean, if you want to contact me um, by phone, yeah. 
is of course my mobile. Yeah. Because this is, I would say, it's a fixed type of telephone, yeah. which doesn't hasn't made any problem to me yeah. so far. But my uh, Samsung, a very expensive one for 500 euro, that one yeah. has caused me quite a few problems. Oh, yeah. Like I hear myself, yeah. I hear you twice, yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Okay, so I can put, I've got your number, so I'll put it on, on the website, otcfranchising.com. I'll put your contact details and your LinkedIn profile. Are those the best ways to reach you on, online and on the phone? And you have, yes, um, all mobile, yeah. uh, for short. Uh, but for um, for, uh, for uh, email contacts, you have my yeah. uh, email, because you, that's the way how you contacted me. Yeah, so I'll put that there so the listeners can go to the website, yes. and then Easily. they can reach out to you, because there's so much information there, Igor. I'm, sh I'm really excited about people who are thinking about franchising in Slovenia, or, or you know, even you know, around the, the region, or just franchising by itself. I think they'll be really inspired by the really great insight you've given us today. I didn't tell you, but uh, about 10 years back, uh, I helped uh, <clears throat> Financial Times yeah. uh, to prepare... Um, um, how do you call it? Um, um, supplement. Yeah. Their supplement on franchising. Uh huh. It was um, the journalist was Swan. I don't. I forgot his first name. Yeah. I I realized that he just last year. I don't know if he's still. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. main correspondent of the Financial Times from Washington D.C. Ah, I'll I'll look him up. I, I was so happy to help him. Yeah. And, uh, 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 and he quoted me quite a few times in oh, his wow. article. Oh, that's good. I'll, yeah. look, I'll look him up. Did you say his surname was Swan? Uh, I think it's Eric Swan. Yeah, yeah I think oh. so. Okay, I'll look him up. I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is one of the uh, main uh, economic uh, main economic journalists of the Financial Times. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, thank you, Igor. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll email you when this episode is published. It will probably be in about four weeks' time because of the schedule. And, but I'll let you know so you can listen to it and other people can link to it as well. Good. Uh, I have a problem uh, of um, getting into this, um, uh, your site, you know. I oh. have to, uh, yeah, uh, everything is done correctly, but it doesn't allow me. Uh, to go further, I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe I succeed in the future. Is this for the newsletter, for putting in your email address? Okay. Is it? I'll, I'll have, um, I'll have a look. I, yeah, when, you know, when you sent me this uh, interview. Ah, <coughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the link, uh, for, the link for the newsletter. Yeah, some people have said yeah, that. And I, 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 I could try... get into it, so yeah. I don't know what he said. Ah, <laughs> I see. Okay, I'll send you another, after we talk, I'll send you another link, and then you can email me back. Um, Fine, And then Excellent. you can tell me if it works or not. Certainly will. Yeah. Okay. Oh, thanks, Igor. Okay, thanks, uh, Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, thanks for listening to the podcast. Please let me know what you think by posting a written review on iTunes and visiting the website at www.otcfranchising.com. Talk to you soon.